Hi, I'm Daryl Urbanski, and welcome to the Best Business Podcast. My mission is to help create 200 new multimillionaire business owners. How? You'll do better when you know better. In my interviews, you'll hear from self-made millionaires, seven-figure business owners, authors, and world-class experts sharing how they did it so you can too without experiencing the same obstacles they did. When your life and your business grow as a result of what you're about to discover, please call me and tell me about it. The number to leave a voicemail is 1-888-844-GROW. That's 1-888-844-4769. Long distance charges may apply. Dial now to call me, connect, share your personal story of how my interviews have helped, or share your current challenges and frustrations so I can connect you with an appropriate course, coach, or help you if you connect. Now, if you like this interview, please share it with a friend you think will benefit. They'll appreciate it, and I will as well. You can also connect with me on social media. Look for Daryl Urbanski, D-A-R-Y-L, Urban Ski, U-R-B-A-N-S-K-I, and add me so we can be friends. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy what I've prepared for you right here, right now. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us. My name is Daryl Urbanski, your host as always. And today we are joined for our second time by publicity expert Esther Kish. And I've known Esther for going on five years now. And of all the guests we've had on the show, all the publicity reps I've come across, Esther is not only uh, the has not only the highest caliber clientele, but she is also a complete PR ninja when it comes to getting press. Esther helps experts get more publicity online so they get more leads and sales. She's the founder of Born to Influence, and she does just that. Having gotten her clients on TV and newspapers, magazines, as well as on some of the top podcasts in the world, including mine, (laughs) resulting in millions of dollars of additional sales. Like me, she's also trilingual, except her three languages are English, Hungarian, and Dutch. I invited her to come back on the show today because she's so good at what she does, I thought you, our listeners, might want to know all about how to get interviews and mentions in the press. So Esther, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate how how are you doing, my friend. I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me back on, uh, Daryl. I really, really am grateful. Yeah, well, it's an honor and a pleasure. Last time you gave us some great tips. If anyone's tuning in and haven't listened to the first interview, you can definitely go listen to that. But now we're like, you know, we're three years later, I think, from our first interview we did with you on my show. Uh, can we talk about like how has media changed today? Like what what's new? What's happening now? Is it the same old song that it was a couple of years ago? How are people getting publicity now? How are they messing it up? You know, what what's kind of the landscape to start with? Well, a lot has changed, actually, since we did our last interview. One is, especially in written press, in business publications, like, for example, um, Forbes and Inc. and Entrepreneur, even the Huffington Post, they sort of changed how they work with outside writers. So it used to be where these publications would have contributing writers who were not paid by the magazine, but um, they would be someone who was vetted by the editors. They trust their style and they know that they create good content. And so they would give them basically a login, kind of like mm-hmm. your your blog, right? So mm-hmm. you're able to pitch these contributing writers directly and then they would just write an article or you would give them a content and they would turn it into an article and then post it and that's it. That has changed. So now everything pretty much with all the publications has to go through an editorial uh, process where the writer themselves has to pitch it to the editor, or even if not, it will. St- even if they're able to directly publish it, it still will have to be reviewed before it actually goes live on the site. Mm. 
uh, having to both completely shut down their contributing platforms. So that doesn't even exist anymore. So unfortunately, a lot of writers who used to write for them don't have access to their column anymore because it was kind of like, you know, um, a similar process as the business publications before where editors would review it first, then they give access to anybody to just who, whoever was an approved writer to just write whatever they want. And then the quality kind of went down there. So then they shut down the entire thing. Mm. So now it's it's more how it used to be in the old days where you either pitch the editor directly or you pitch the writer still who you already have relationships with. Just make sure that you pitch it in a way that they are able to present it to their editors and get, get it approved pretty quickly. Got it. So that's a big change because I know that was like a thing. I had friends that did that. They could like reputation management or whatever, they would get you an article, you know, and you could pay, you could basically pay to be on those platforms. But now it seems well, like... Well, that's a big no-no. I think that was part of the reason yep. why all the big changes, to, yep. you know, because that's the thing that all of these writers are not supposed to pay, uh, not supposed to quote-unquote sell their spots, right? Mm-hmm. It's not a pay-to-play thing. And, and it's, there was legalities involved with that. Like they have to say if it's an editorial they can't just accept payment for it. And so a lot of those writers got found out, their mm-hmm. columns got taken down, you know, and then you're there as an entrepreneur paying five, ten thousand dollars a piece and mm-hmm. have nothing to show for it. That's just silly. Right, right, right. Okay. So that's with that's with the printed press and getting it into these high authority sites. So when you say when you have to pitch it in the right way, how do you what do you recommend? Like, hi, I'm great, I'm fantastic. You really want to put me in your, you know, on the Huffington Post site. <laughs> yeah, that's going to work. <laughs> no, so what you want to do is think about how can I contribute to the readership of this magazine or to the listenership of this radio show or podcast or the viewers of this TV show? And think about it, particularly with broadcast media, so TV and radio, you always want to make it newsworthy. Think about what are the trending news stories that they're already interested in anyway, and then how can you connect that to your expertise? It could be even an upcoming holiday or a local event in your town or a big trending news story that has to do with politics, but you will have your own unique slant where you're connecting your expertise to, to what they're already covering in that way, provide a fresh perspective. So that would be for broadcast media and then for written publications like these business publications that we talked about or online media such as podcasts and blogs and YouTube shows. It really has to do with understanding what that audience is looking for, what that host stands for, what their own values are, because typically these are the influencers and thought leaders who are using the platform to build a relationship with their own audience. And then think of like three, four, five different things that would be really beneficial for that Uh, market for the audience and suggest that these are some of the topics that we could talk about. What do you think? Got it. Got it. Got it. So you're just saying, Hey, I want to do a collaboration with you. I want to help you make some content for your audience. Of course, I'm going to benefit as well, but I really think your audience would benefit from knowing more about X, Y, Z, ABC. It's timely. It's evergreen, you know, Mm -hmm. and that's it. Yes. And well, always start with relationships first, as much as you can start building uh, those relationships and connecting and reaching out to all of these different producers and writers and hosts before you need them and and strike up a friendship, a conversation initially, just however small, if you don't meet them face to face then at least on social media, see them as a human being, as a person that you actually care about and you help them in some way. Mm-hmm. And then when it's appropriate, then you pitch yourself. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Okay. Now, do you just maintain a list of people? Like now, do you have it as a as a PR where you've built up a list of people that you, when you have a new client, you can do like you know, kind of a shot around. Uh, 
what do they call it? The shot around the world, like the shot heard around the world. You just kind of put out like a bulletin, like, hey, this is my new client. This is their profile. Who's who? Who wants them? Is that kind of how it works after a while? Like as you build these relationships and you, you know, and and that moving forward, or is it still kind of like grassroots in that essence? My preference is always doing it manually. I don't like to put out a big statement that, hey, who wants to interview such and such person? Because the whole point why they hire me is because they get to buy into those relationships that I've built over time. Right. And, you know, reaching out to a podcaster, for example, or a blogger or a TV producer and saying that, hey, I think that this person would make a great guest for your show because of this. And I give them a reason why that is customized to their particular audience and the type of stories that they're typically looking to cover. That will make a big difference versus them seeing, seeing a random Facebook post that, hey, what do you think? You want to have this person on? And it's just a generic outreach. Right. And, you know, it's, it might seem ironic, but I actually think it's, there's also even another benefit to it that's even smaller like it's the micro commitment of just, I mean, I know when we talk, you're always like, Hey Daryl. And then I'm like, Hey, or you say, Hey Daryl. And you mentioned something relevant and recent. I'm like, Oh, thanks. That's great. Esther. And now you have my attention. Cause if you right. just did a big blah broadcast, right. People are going to like, look, they're not really, you're not really going to get their attention. But when you are just real and connect with me, cause we're friends all of a sudden, yeah. I'm like, okay, who's this person? Because, you know, I'm like, I'm running a podcast. I do need guests. All right, who are they? Esther always sends me good people. So, now, do you find that different formats of PR work better for different types of industries? Um, what do you mean by that? Well, if someone's got, uh, you know, like a local-based business, do they need to get on, a, like, would they get on Huffington Post? Would they get on local radio? And maybe that's a little, maybe a little too obvious, but also... Uh, demographics, if your customer base are millennials versus baby boomers, does, right. does where you go matter? Yes, absolutely. So you always want to start with the target audience in mind. And this is something that I actually always take my clients through before I even put together the media list. We have an intake conversation where I take them through a very specific list of questions of really understanding who is their ideal target market and what do they need to hear and believe in order to want to take the next step with you so that we can craft those specific stories and examples and case studies and anecdotes and everything that they can truly speak to from their experience and from the client shows that, uh, case studies that they have that would be really relevant and that they they have a hands-on first-hand experience with and then I'm like, okay, well, here's this five shows that would be really good for this type of a story. Here's another 10 that would be good for this angle. And that helps me pitch them. And they'll also be very, very well prepared where they can go in telling stories and really sharing actionable advice and insights rather than just saying that, hey, look at this, <laughs> you right. should hire me promoting my product here. Right, right, right. Now, so you've already given, I mean, we're only like 10 minutes in and you've already given us fantastic advice advice on how to do this if anyone that went out there is like a do-it-yourself for just getting started um because it's you gave us like practical you know, real world how to reach out to people how to approach them what to say right how to do it but so all right now let's say i've done this and i've got lined up five interviews how do i turn this into dollars how do i monetize Ooh, that i like it <laughs> all right so number one is why we are starting with reverse engineering the content is exactly because of this, because you want to make sure that the stories that you'll be sharing or the experiences or the case studies, they seed your offer. 
Meaning, for example, if you have an email list and there is a free opt-in for that, like maybe you have a 10% off coupon code for a physical product or you have some kind of a guide or a PDF checklist or a video series or anything that you're normally promoting through your ads, you want to make sure that the content that you will be sharing on, on those interviews will speak to some of what will be in that freebie so that in your listener's mind, the next logical step is that, oh, I want in on that. If you don't have anything like this, then what I would recommend is as at the very minimum, have a Facebook group or have some kind of a social media site where they can go and follow you to start seeing more of your content so that they become part of your tribe. But the best thing is, of course, always to get them on the email list. Now, this is very easy to do in online media when you're doing podcast interviews or blogs or um, you know YouTube shows or presentations for paid masterminds, that kind of thing. Um, they expect you to have something that is a freebie offer with mainstream media like radio and newspapers and magazines and TV. They don't, they don't necessarily promote something like a landing page, right? It's not going to be your .com forward slash checklist or something like this. So instead what you want to do then is say that we have a lot of free resources on our website here. And then that way you're giving them the, the homepage of your website but at the same time, you know that you have your opt-in on that homepage as well. So that way you will be able to grab them and, and retarget them as well if you're doing paid ads, which is a really powerful strategy. So that would be the bare minimum to start monetizing it. Make sure that you're seeding your freebie content and then make an offer to that at the end or give them some kind of a resource where they can take the next steps. And then the other thing that you can do is make sure that you're not only looking at um, these publicity opportunities and these interviews as a one-off where, okay, I did the interview, now I'm waiting for all the riches, <laughs> right? So what you want to do is look at it as somebody else actually giving you credibility by sharing your message on their platform. They're professionally producing the content. They're editing the video or the TV clip or the podcast. Now you can you have an asset that then you can use in your own existing sales and marketing funnels. So at the very minimum, you would put it on your social media pages, right? So you would post it on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, wherever you're, uh, you're active. And normally, they actually even give you really nice little quote cards and, and your picture is on it with a quote from the podcast interview or something really easy and cool to share. You can share that multiple times because most people will see your um, social media updates in their newsfeed, not on your page. So don't be afraid of using it multiple times over all the platforms spread out over the next few weeks or even months. That's one. Another thing that you can do is to email out, email it out to your list if it's a really particularly notable, cool interview. If you have an autoresponder series where somebody opts in for your freebie and then they receive certain automated messages that are not broadcast messages, you can include some of these things there. So for example, let's say you're teaching people how to use Facebook ads and uh, people opt in for your checklist or your cheat sheet or whatever you're offering is a freebie. Now the next thing would be that they are getting a series of emails where you're showing them specifics and giving them more value. If one of those emails happens to contain a link to an article from you in Forbes magazine or entrepreneur or a TV clip of something that you did, that really helps position you in your new subscriber's mind as somebody goes, wow, this is impressive. This person really knows what they're talking about. So you can use it in your autoresponder series that way. Another thing you can do too is, which I love this, is to make sure that you're using the content um, as content for your paid ads. 
So if you're doing particularly retargeting with Facebook or Google, what you can do is use those articles and show it to people who went to your website, but they did not buy and start showing them some of the content through all these different prestigious um, brands where you've been featured, it will really help position you where you accelerate how much they trust you and, and you have rapport with them much, much faster. And um, I've talked actually with several business owners who we work with who have multiple seven, eight figure businesses. And when they use this strategy, what we found is that their client acquisition cost goes down by as much as 90%. Right. Because that's such a huge, I mean, when two, when two of the reasons why people don't act on your offer, I mean, all of us listening here, we all have things that we offer and they're all things that we want, <clears throat> like we want to do for our customers, clients in the world. Hopefully it's, it's just to make the world a better place. No one here is like selling, you know, guns or, or alcohol yeah. or, or cigarettes type of thing. But the number two reasons why people never take action on your offer is, you know, I don't believe you. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, like, so what, or BS. That's kind of what they're thinking. Anytime they look at your copy or they read your offers, you're like, hey, join my group. I'm doing this. They're like, mm, I don't know. I don't really think that'll help me. Like, they don't believe it. And it's either they're not confident in themselves or confident in others. And that's where credibility is so important because, you know, sometimes it's tough for people to believe the results that that they that other people are capable of. I mean, I've, I just went through an experience recently. Someone uh, near me that I would see at the gym every day didn't believe... And I, I just really tried to be, it was so funny because I don't feel like I boast or brag or anything, but they were just really upset with me because of some of the things I guess that I had said that I'd done for clients and stuff. And I'm just like, mm -hmm. I just really, it was a problem. It became a problem. And I just don't know. And that for them, it was because if it's too good to be true, it means it's a scam. And mm, so I was a yeah. scam, I was a scammer in person. Right. And I just was like, I, I'm like, I, and, and I couldn't help but laugh to myself. Cause I'm like, I'm not even trying to brag. Like, I'm just like, I'm just hanging out. Like I'm just hanging out and somebody brings something up and they say they got a problem and I give them some tips and like this person had a major problem with it. And so there's a lot of people, it's, it has nothing to do with you. It's about them. And at least if they learn that you're involved with more credible sources, they can feel safer that, you know, that you're a good person to do business with, right? That the promises Absolutely. you make you okay. So. And it's, it's kind of the equivalent of, if, let's say if with this person, you had a mutual friend and they introduced to you and, and the introduction was made in a way where they said that Daryl is this amazing marketing expert. He has done this and this, and he was featured in all these different publications, got these results for some of our mutual friends, and then connect you guys. That would have been a whole different experience, totally right, different. in person yeah. as well. Yeah. So this is kind of the equivalent of what you can do with prospects and with potential customers is you do that sort of warm introduction through the credibility that you gain when you're featured in notable publications. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's smart. And it just gives you another reason why, because there's nothing wrong with going, Hey, I'm really proud of this. I was just featured here and I've worked my butt off to get, you know, the exposure, check it out. Tell me what you think. You know, it's yeah. just another, and again, it's, it's that AIDA attention, interest, desire, action. You can't get someone's uh, desire and interest. Uh, or so you can't until you get their attention, they can't desire what you have and show interest in it. Right. And so, that's the number one thing is just to get people's attention, have a reason to talk to them. I think that's a really, Absolutely. really powerful thing. And, and you were mentioning earlier too, that what if you are working with a local market or millennials or whatever sub niche, you want to make sure that once you put together the list of, um, you know, the topics and stories and ideas, you start putting together your uh, media outreach, the contacts that you'll be actually pitching for interview opportunities. You would keep in mind that the message is relevant and also 
what kind of um, media do these people consume so that he will be featured in the right media outlets that would actually make it to the hands of the right person, right? right. <laughs> so that you get the attention from those who actually are in a position to buy from you. Right, right, right. Now, I have a question here. You you, you alluded to some, some ninja, real ninja stuff there. You're like, if you're remarketing to people, so that's obviously a way that um, we spoke about this in our first interview as well. A lot of people, they would do these interviews and then they would just, you know, they have their remarketing. And if anyone here doesn't know what remarketing is, it's that when someone visits your website or key web pages, is that um, you show them ads. And so you're not putting ads. The, the world of paid advertising has changed a little bit where if anyone here is looking to get into it, typically you start with either uploading your buyer list to these platforms, Facebook, Google, and then saying, hey, find me more people like this person. You need about at least uh, 100 emails. Or you you know, you know, show ads to people that have already been to your site or who match the profile of people who have already been to your site. And that's where typically most people – so it's not really the world – there are some people doing it, but it's not really the world where you're, you're showing ads, you're picking a market, and you're going out. Typically, everyone's trying to get their stuff dialed in first to make sure that it works. And the, the best way to do it is show it to people who kind of know, like, and trust you or are likely to. And to even get these ad platforms to kind of go through – because there's so many people online to help filter them out so really you get the best – you know, like it's like if you're trying to find a needle in a haystack. I saw this reference recently. It'd be great if you could just see the needles. If you had a pair of goggles, that you could just see needles and not worry mm -hmm. about the hay. And that's kind of what it is. Now, that was something that in our last interview you mentioned that a lot of these people are doing these interviews, and that's what it is. They're doing these PR interviews to pump more traffic to their site and URLs and freebies for to build up their audiences for remarketing, because now yeah. it's a warm audience. It's not a cold audience. And so I wanted to bring that back up because if you know. I, just because I think it's a really gangster kind of move to do. But the next thing I wanted to ask about this was, um, I just had a brain fart. I was so excited about that. What was I about that? <laughs> we were talking about putting together a buyer's list if you're doing regular remarketing or otherwise using your publicity interviews and then based on that, you will remarket a bit more. Yeah, no, that's what I was talking about. I totally forget what I was about to, I was about to say. I wanted to... I had this thing. Anyways, all right. It'll well, come gone. back. It'll come back. It'll come back. So, all right. So now we've got these. We've got the, oh, you know what I wanted to ask? Is there, that's what I wanted to ask. Is there, is there like a critical mass? Like if someone's launching a book or if someone's launching a new product or if someone's just on a mission to get some more exposure, do you find that there, this is what I meant. Do you find that there's a critical mass? Like if you're going to get interviewed, you really need to try to line up at least this many interviews in this period of time. Because you find that, you know, and even though there's different, like my show is, you know, my audience is more or less responsive than someone, right? Like everyone's show is a bit different. And sure, there might be some that are like whales. But typically, do you find that it takes, you know, 10, 30, 50 interviews really to kind of get like momentum going? Because there's always that effect for people listening. There's always that effect, uh, especially when people do cross promotions. If you have one person promoting you in your market, it does so much. But if you can have two or three or four or five people who are experts in your space cross-promoting mm -hmm. you, right? And then we're talking about like a joint venture promotion. It, it has an exponential impact on conversion rates as opposed yes. to one person just mailed for you. So is that there that sort of thing in media as well? Absolutely. And, and it comes back to what your goals are. So for example, with a book launch, if you want to 
make it an Amazon bestseller, but it's like a tiny little category inside another category inside another category. Right, you right. know, you sell 20 books, it's basically done as friends and family. You don't necessarily need huge publicity for that. Right. If you want to become on the New York, uh, bestseller on the New York Times list, that's a whole other thing. You might plan six months or a year in advance and line up really a lot of mainstream media interviews in addition to a ton of podcasts and online media interviews to really get momentum. So first of all, you need to understand and really be realistic with what your goals are. The second thing is, what is your ad budget? Because if you have, let's say, five interviews that were on really cool podcasts, and then you have a handful of TV interviews, some of those articles in Forbes and Inc. and whatever, you know, depending on your niche and what uh, kind of market you're in, the right um, glossy magazines. And then you are putting a ton of money into using that, you know, to retarget people who have hit your website. That will be more powerful than doing 20, 30, 50 interviews over the next few months, right? Because those are just individual and then not doing any Facebook ads with it. Mm. So it's it always comes down to what you already have in place, what your budget is and what your goals are. And then finding that kind of like a teeter-totter thing, finding just the right balance where it will really click. Like, for instance, if you wanted to become a New York Times bestseller, it used to be that you could sell about twenty to 30,000 books on the first week when it actually gets shipped on the first week mm -hmm. to make the list, right? Mm -hmm. So that would mean, for a lot, especially in the internet marketing space, a lot of authors would do a big campaign, a really big push with joint venture partners, with Facebook ads, with publicity, with podcasts to get a lot of pre-orders because then on the first week when those book gets, gets uh, all those books get shipped that were ordered previously to the book launch, then the New York Times list would count it as, oh, it all went out in the first week. Well, this is a bestseller. Now that's no more. <laughs> so right. they got smart also. And, and you want to make sure that you have consistency in your sales. They're looking at where those sales are coming from. So for instance, if you're speaking at a conference and you sold 3,000 books because that's how many attendees were there, you know, and you included a book for everybody, that will actually count as one sale in the New York Times list, <laughs> unless you have the email addresses or the addresses of each individual attendee so that you can show it as a um, as individual purchases. So really, you have there is a lot of uh, you know details to it to really plan out properly mm. what will work with the goals that you have. Mm. Got it, got it, got it. Which is why but, someone but needs a professional. Yeah, but but just just to give you an overall, just to, just a general guideline. If you plan at least three to four months out for a launch, for a smaller book launch, not a New York Times campaign, and um, also for a, a coaching program or a live event. Four to six months, I would say, is a good range because then you can start lining up interviews, have two to three interviews a week that you're doing. That should help you get there. Mm, got it. Got it. Two, so two to three interviews per week and build the momentum as, you know, for four to six months if you can. Yes. And and then, of course, I mean, like you said, there are some whales. There will be a podcast that have a million downloads a month and then there are others that have 200. So you have to be smart with where you're putting your time. And with that said, though, make sure that you're doing a variety of both the big shows as well as the small and mid-sized shows, because people will likely not buy on the first time that they hear, you know, or they'll not pre-order the book even the first time they hear you. They, When they listen to one podcast, likely they will listen to another podcast with a similar audience, a similar profile, because usually podcast listeners listen to at least seven to 10 podcasts on average per wow. month, right? Seven different shows. So you want to make sure that you give them exposure on the related shows constantly. And then that way 
you you get them to buy in. Right, right, right. No, and that makes sense. I mean, in a lot of ways, you're just trying to saturate the market and just be everywhere because it's yeah, that's the frequency and yeah, and just and and bonding time for them to get to know you. I think that's smart. I think that's really powerful. So and, it's, and oh, go ahead. Uh, just you and you are saying bonding. That's such an important thing too because you want to make sure that you're not just being a robot who says the same thing over and over again, which a lot of authors tend to do that. You know, they go on podcasts or whatever type of interviews and they have their five talking points and they use the same thing every single time. Well, that works on stages because people who go to one conference, they will not necessarily follow you around for another five conferences in the next couple of months to hear it again, the exact same stories. But with podcasts or any kind of interviews, really, they will listen to multiple interviews. So what you want to do is give them the framework of what you have and your origin story will, of course, be the same. And at the same time, make sure that you have at least one golden nugget, something that is really unique to that show. Or maybe you explain it in a different way or use a different example than what you've used in all the other shows before. That way they feel like, wow, I'm always learning something new from this guy, really. And that accelerates the trust so much and you bond with them. Yeah, no, that makes uh, that makes so much sense, 100%. I think that's good advice too, especially because with content, if it's online content, it's it's evergreen. It's there forever. It's like a digital tattoo, right? So if you're just the same thing over and over and over again, you know, there's not a lot of value in that. Google Google loves fresh, unique, original content. Right. Like there's a lot of people to get Google slapped and reprimanded for stuff. If you're just giving Google great, original, unique content, you know, and you're and you're and you're indexing it based on how they want their stuff. I mean, it's it's like a square peg in a square hole. Right. Like you do you have an H1 tag? Do you have your SEO stuff in order, your metadata kind of stuff in order? And it's on page and off page. But if you've got that, if you're organized so they can go, oh, okay, this is a square peg. They'll put you in the square hole. And then if it's great, fresh content, they're really never going to reprimand, reprimand you on that. And then your the value, this is an SEO tip here, the value is in the, the quality, the number and the quality of the people that are, it's, it's like in off, it's like offline, right? Like yeah. once you're an established expert, maybe it's to be a lawyer, you need to have these things in order to be in the game, right? That's your, that's the barrier of entry. Once you have, are past those, now it's like, well, okay, but what do, as a, what, who are your friends you know, how active are you in the community and what is everybody else saying about you? And that's what how SEO works. I mean, SEO is exactly that. That's how it works in the offline world. All Google's trying to do is just mimic, mimic that online. And so that's what this is. You do all these interviews and that. That's what other people are saying about you. They link to you. That gives you authority and credibility for your site. So the keywords that you say that you're about are what Google shows you to based on what people seem to actually hang around on your site when they look up. You know, there's like a hodgepodge of that. But just off and, and, and it's on its own, there's also all these communities that you're being endorsed to. And having somebody introduce you or being interviewed, it's totally different. I mean, if you just got on and tried to brag about yourself, me, 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 like everyone would be like, get out of here, right? Like, you know, go stuff it. But when someone else asks you questions now, it's, it's credible. Like you're an expert and it's sincere and you're not bragging. You're just talking about something you're being asked about. So Esther, are you still there? Yeah, I'm here. Sorry, I was accidentally (laughs) muted. Yeah, absolutely. And and I'm so glad that you talked about the SEO perspective or aspect of it as well, because that's something that definitely will help your site over time as you get more and more links, for sure, especially from the high authority websites. And also, there is more content when somebody Googles your name. 
they see all these interviews with you. Like, for example, I just Googled my own name just for fun a couple of weeks ago, and I'm looking, okay, this is my website. That's number one. Then all Facebook and Instagram, like the big sites come up for with my social. And then the next few pages are all podcast interviews. It's really amazing. But it's imagine for someone who is looking to potentially hire you or work with you or buy from you, they just simply Google your name. And then pages and pages of interviews come up. It really right. helps with converting those new visitors into actual right. paying clients and customers. Yep. For sure. Yeah. No, hands down. Hands down. And that's actually that's actually a ninja technique. So this is this is a little gold nugget as well. When it I'm not an SEO. I mean, I, I obviously I know a little bit about SEO. It's funny. Uh, my girlfriend's doing a course on SEO because she has an agency and something that she wants to maybe offer some of her existing clients. And I, I'm I'm kind of hearing it, and I feel like I know all that stuff because I've been in this game for 10 years. But uh, I'm not an SEO expert. But one of the things that we do do to try to dominate SEO is like what you mentioned is your website can only ever really take up one spot on a Google search results page. So what you need is you need to get your content on as many other sites of authority as you can so you can literally just push your competitors onto page two. So I did that with my martial arts school, and it's funny because I, I did some Google searching. You mentioned keyword searches. I did some. I haven't had a martial arts school in se at the time of this recording about seven, seven and a half years. But when I did the keywords, my keyword searches for the local business I had before, I my non-existing website that's no longer registered and all my YouTube videos and stuff have dominated two of three keyword pages that I was set up to like, and it's, it's like, it's been seven years. I haven't done anything in seven years and I'm still yeah. like kicking butt anyway. So it's a powerful strategy. It's a really powerful strategy. Um, Cause even if you're not maintaining your site, if you get content on someone else's site, they might maintain their site and then you have your content on there with your keywords. And so yeah. it's, it's uh, yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting way to go about it. So basically it's like it's having it all done for you because they are doing everything. Like for example, podcasters typically have a show notes page. They will have the MP3 of the interview on iTunes and Stitcher and all the different podcast uh, directories as well as on their own website and on their own site, they will also add your bio. They will add a little bit of a blurb about what the interview was about. Some of them even put a full transcript. They'll put images. It's a really content rich and Google loves that. Mm -hmm. So now what do you see are some of the habits of your uh, highest, like you get to, you get to rub elbows with some pretty successful people. What are some of the habits that you see that they tend to have? The number one habit I noticed with them is they're very, very focused. And I know this for sure because I have access typically to their calendars to be able to schedule in and book in the interviews. And I just see how their time is blocked out. And very often it's in chunks and batches that, for example, sales calls are this morning, you know, from, from this time to this time, or one of my clients has a time slot blocked out every single day. That's, that's called produce. And all the, I don't know what magical thing he does, but that's his morning hour where he does his whatever his priority and focus is. And nobody can put in an appointment during that time. So staying focused. And the other thing I noticed, too, is they're very, very kind and nice, both to big name influencers as well as to the up and comers. And this is really important when you're building relationships. Remember that you're in it for the long haul. And if you're just, you know, uh, not paying attention to somebody or kind of being a little bit of a douchebag because they're not important, quote unquote, or they don't have a huge following. Well, that person will start growing their own platform. They will start becoming a big name as well at some point if they're talented and if they have the work ethic. And you're so much better off 
looking back five years from now and say that, hey, I knew them back when and we've built this relationship over time versus, well, this was a, a person who was not nice to me. And now when they have a big following, they will not be nice to you either. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You really don't know how things are going to go. And it's um, you don't want to burn bridges. You really don't want to burn bridges. It, it just it doesn't work. Nobody wins. You think you might win in the short term. Mm. Um, you think you might win in the short term, but really you just you just you just pissing in your own drinking water, you know? Uh, yeah, and, and, and you want to, of course, uh, be careful with your time. And I'm not saying to, you know, dedicate two hours of a free conversation to somebody who is really not in a position to do anything with you at the moment, mm-hmm. but at least be kind and acknowledge them and, and give them some tips if needed. And respect everyone. Everybody thinks highly of themselves, even if like, even if they have low self-esteem and depression issues and that sort of thing, they won't respond well to your criticism. I mean, you can... That there's an art to it, I guess, of being a stern but loving parent. You know, just give respect to get respect. So I think that that's mm-hmm. really powerful because I do know people that have thought they gotten ahead of themselves or think that they've like now made it and now are making like extreme judgments of people and things like that. And it's just a, it's a it's it's a it's the wrong way to do business, and you can just create more problems for yourself where they never existed. You know, yeah. I feel like life is very Shakespearean, where we all tend to suffer with things that we do to ourselves. Because all of Shakespeare's heroes kind of were, they fell victim to their greatest flaws, like the things that they didn't look out for, you know. And so I think that humans are like that too, you know. And so it's, it's yeah, it's a growth thing. So that's excellent. All right. So they're very focused. They make appointments with themselves. They time block. They're courteous and friendly. Anything else that you feel that really helps contribute to their success? Well, Coming back to focus, also not being caught up in the whole bright, shiny object syndrome. If they pick the direction, then they're going to stick to that. And they might explore other things that are cool or that could help them grow faster, but they will stick to their priorities and then only bring in new strategies once they have the bandwidth for it. Mm-hmm. So, for example, let's just say uh, you're launching a book and you've decided to write this in the next two or three months. You'll be marketing it. You'll be doing Facebook ads for it, do podcast interviews, like all those things. That's the strategy. Now you hear a webinar. Somebody says that you have to do a YouTube channel and create content for that. Well, that sounds cool and it's true, but it's a long-term thing. Well, do it after the book launch. So mm. make sure that you always prioritize and don't get caught up. Just because somebody else was successful with webinars or whatever, all of those different things work, but they all need time and effort and the proper amount of attention and energy put into that. So make sure that you complete as far as you can go with what you have right now in the work. And then mm. I actually love that. It's funny because you said they were very focused. And, and one of the best things that stuck with me is an acronym for focus, which is follow one course until successful. And so that's, that's like yeah. the definition of focus. So that makes perfect sense. And I think that that's a huge, especially with social media today, people bouncing around, getting distracted so easily. So what do you recommend to anyone that's struggling out? Like if someone's like, obviously you're a huge credible, uh, credit, credit, sorry, I don't know why I'm, I'm fumbling here. Obviously you're massively credible and you've got an amazing list of who's who for clientele. Some people listening to this, they probably should give you a call and get engaged with you because obviously there's a lot of work involved and there's a lot of thought that has to go through with it. And if they're looking for someone to help them with their PR, they need to contact Esther. But for the people that are just starting out and struggling, how do you recommend they get started? Like, do they go try and get on CNN right away? Like what's right? Like I, I know that's kind of a general question, but you know, for someone that's just entering into this, what are some of the first steps that they should consider and how should they get started? Good, 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 good question. So uh, the number one thing is, for instance, with CNN or any national show, 
you're not going to get on those interviews until you have local TV experience. This is just uh, the, the nature of the beast. Uh, producers are not able to even look at any pitches until they know for sure that you're able to handle this really, really fast-paced environment, what live TV is. So if you are looking to have some TV clips, then make sure that you start in your local market. And that's really, really cool because it gives you an experience of, of working with TV producers and being in the studio and, and handling yourself on camera, being able to very concisely convey your point because the TV interview might be a minute and a half to two minutes, really short, and that includes the questions. So you have to know what are those talking points that you want to hit and how you can provide it in a way to that audience that will help them and that is really, really, you know, it comes across entertaining and funny and, and whatever you need to do there. So start with your local market. The other thing too is if you're just getting started, I would say don't even start thinking about hiring a publicist until you're at least at the high six-figure marks um, in your business in revenue. Typically, our clients are at least at a seven-figure to eight-figure uh, mark in their revenues before they hire someone to do this for them. Before that, you can tremendously benefit from publicity, but the best thing that you can do at that stage is take a course or start learning and reading about it online yourself. There's plenty of free resources on our website as well, where you can just go and start learning how do I start developing these relationships and start pitching myself for the smaller outlets and, and get some practice, get some traction. And that will start build your tribe in a way where now when you're in a position to hire someone for you and buy into those relationships for the bigger publications, they actually have something to work with. Mm, mm. I think that's really well said. Really well said. I remember hearing someone, I forget who, but they were like, you know, um, if your goal is to save up to buy a house, you know, and you're only making 5000 a month, don't don't fuss over cutting your expenses. Find, figure out how to make $20,000 a month. Like, focus on, yeah. like, make, get yourself to 20000 to $100,000 a month, then worry about saving money. Because you know how much and how hard you'd have to cut your expenses and how much you'd have to squeeze yourselves to save twenty grand if you're only making five grand and you live, like, in, yeah. you know, in a city? Like, make more money. Focus on that. And so that's kind of even what you're saying. Like, if you're just new and starting out, Right. Don't worry about necessarily hiring someone to do this. Focus on getting bigger right now and just getting the basics done. So get some experience with smaller shows, reaching out, understanding kind of how it works a little bit. Have a little bit of fun with it, perhaps. Don't necessarily rely on it as a and correct me if I'm wrong, but don't rely on it as a source of customers. Has it be something that's like a side, an addition, right? Something like like planting seeds, right? Sowing seeds for the future. Do interviews as much as you can. But not, don't dedicate yourself to it in that such a big way unless you have a specific purpose like a launch or something that you're doing. Is that close? Yeah, it's, it, I would say it's about 80% <laughs> in alignment with what I'm thinking as well. You can absolutely get clients and customers from being interviewed as long as you keep in mind everything that we talked about. You know, it's seeding your content, seeding the freebie offer, nurturing them, putting it into whatever you're doing with your emails and your social media organic uh, posts as well as your paid ads. As long as you combine it, even the smaller podcast will really, really help you with that. Mm. You can absolutely put your, uh, you know, pitch yourself for Forbes or Inc. or Entrepreneur, all those written publications. As long as you have something that is that makes sense for that outlet and where you have a good track record, where you actually have some kind of proof that what you say and, and what you're sharing there actually works. You know, the, the one thing where, where people tend to fall short here is 
in the online marketing space where suddenly they want to be a business coach, but they never built a successful business. Well, that's not going to fly, right? Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of that. But aside from that, let's say, for instance, if you're a health expert or you can help people with losing weight or something like that, you don't necessarily get measured, quote unquote, in terms of credibility with how big of a business you build. It's more about the results that your clients had or that you had yourself and you can share that story. Mm-hmm. That's so you know, that should go without saying, but we should just say it. Yeah, make sure you've got credibility. I just had someone reach out to me the other day asking for coaching. And then I found out that he's living in a car. He's living Uh-oh. in his car. He's like homeless, but he wants to be a business coach. And he's Uh-oh. like, he's like, you know, and he's had never run a business in his life. And he was like, can you teach me how to? And I, I just, anyways, it was, I pointed him to some podcasts. I gave him some free resources. I was like, dude, <laughs> just get started, you know partner with some people with businesses, see how well you go. But anyways, enough about that. Esther, you've given so much value. So how do people reach you? What are the best ways for them to get involved? You do, you have an audit too that you do, don't you? You've got like a self-diagnostic tool. Yes. So you can get that. It's a self-assessment that will actually help you with exactly what we talked about here with figuring out whether or not publicity is even right for you at this stage. And that's a completely cool free assessment that you can just take on my website. It's 12 questions, really short, really fun. Um, You can go to borntoinfluence.com and you will see that on the homepage. And if you feel that you really want to get started with this, then you want to get all your ducks in a row. So the next step then would be to make sure that you're in a position where members of the media actually want to interview you. And we have free resources for that as well. You can download the media positioning checklist from my website at borntoinfluence.com forward slash checklist. That will help you with that. That's excellent. Okay. Well, Esther, I've so valued, this has been, I mean, for people that apply this, this is, this is the seedlings of a massive business. If you're good at what you do, if you have a good track record, you have the capacity to scale and you're able to take on more people. If you have, and you don't necessarily need all these things, but if you've got like a proven funnel that you know, do you use right now where, you know, you know, where people go in and this end, typically this percent turn into customers on the back end. And really you just need now more exposure because a lot of people think like, oh, if I just got my message in front of a million people, I would be rich. But what they don't realize is they don't have their ducks in a row. Like you just said, they're mm. not ready. So definitely go check out that assessment at borntoinfluence.com. Figure out if you've got all your ducks in a row, because if you do have your ducks in a row, just listening to this interview on its own, and if you go back and listen to the first interview that we did with Esther, like you really do have the blueprints to get something very meaningful up and running in terms of pub, uh, press release, PR, and getting other like getting featured on other shows to help you stand out amongst your competitors, to help you be in front of people where they are, to help get and push in front of them not as an ad but as just relevant educational content. It's an extremely powerful way to market yourself and your business. And Esther, thank you so much for coming on the show and just kind of giving away the farm yet again. Um, (laughs) Is there anything I didn't ask you that I should have asked you? Oh, you know, one thing that sometimes people ask me is how do I know what kind of media to go after? And that would be something where it goes back to what we talked about, understanding your target market and knowing what they need to hear and believe in order to want to take the next step with you. And then based on your goals, whether or not you want credibility or primarily you're looking for leads and sales, you would choose online or offline media outlets. So for instance, if you have a business coaching type of an offer, then you probably want to go after podcasts and blogs and YouTube shows that serve a niche market. Mm -hmm. If you have more of a mainstream offer or you have a niche offer, but you want mainstream credibility, then you would go after, you know, the TV stations, ABC, NBC, Fox, the radios, uh, radio stations, magazines like Forbes and Inc. and Entrepreneur, those things that will help add credibility and then use those interviews 
inside your paid ad funnel is to amplify it. Right, 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 right. Yeah, because if you've been on CNN or if you've been featured on Huffington Post, that really shows credibility and boosts you. I love how you said that. How do you say that again, knowing what people need to know before they'll do business with you? How did you phrase that? Oh, uh, I said that make sure that you uh, that you put in place everything what they need to. No, hear no, 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 no. Sorry, I don't. I, I, and forgive me for talking over you. But you said a lot. A question you always get is asked is how do you know which media to to choose and what? Oh, what, what kind of media to go after? And and what content people need before they'd be ready to buy from you? You said I want. I'm going to re-listen to that because the way you said it was so eloquent, and I was <laughs> like that. There's a hook there, Esther. That's why there's a hook there somewhere. Like. Like I have fig- to listen to it too because yeah. I don't know now. <laughs> like figure figure out because that's you're right. Like what what do people need to know to buy from me? Like what do they need to yeah. know? Like yeah, that's what you said. What media to go after and what content people need to know in order to do business with you or something. You said something like that yeah. and I was like that was that was good. That was a writer downer. What is what was that? So um, and you're good at it. I know your clients are. I've seen them. I've had them on my show. I definitely think you you are a master at helping with that. So so once again, everyone, please check out Born to Influence. Go do that assessment. Figure out if PR works for you. Esther, if they want to reach out to you in any other way, what's another way that they can reach out to you? Yeah, feel free to connect with me. Email me at esther at borntoinfluence.com. That's E-S-T-H-E-R, esther at borntoinfluence.com. Or you can find me on Facebook as well. Super easy. Perfect. Perfect, perfect. Awesome. Esther, thank you so much. It's always an honor and a pleasure to have been on this journey with you over all these years and just to kind of see us both doing kind of what we've been doing for years and years because you can tell the jokers just kind of disappear and then there's people that are really just in it to master it and they're just about the grind and about what they love to do and about making value. And I just really appreciate uh, sharing that, that, that with you. Thank you so much for having me, Daryl. Really fun. You've reached the end of our interview. Now first, let me thank you for listening. I appreciate and respect you more than you'll ever know. And now I'd like to ask you a couple of questions. First, what three lessons did you just learn? What three aha moments just jumped out at you? Second, what can you implement for yourself and your business in the next 24 hours? Third, what can you give to someone else to help you with or give them to just do it for you? Whatever it is, remember taking action is the secret sauce to results. Now, if you think this interview would be helpful for a friend, please give them a link to it. It'll help them and it'll help me too. I'd also like to invite you to help me find out more about the challenges you're facing, your dreams, your goals, and how I can help you overcome what's holding you back. We both do better when we know better, and your success is my success. So please reach out and interact. You can visit our website, bestbusinesscoach.ca for Canada or California, where I'm from and where I'm living. You're welcome to also try out one of our paid programs. You can find us on YouTube, Facebook, and pretty much every other social media channel you can think of. You should also subscribe to the podcast. And if you're enjoying them, please leave us a nice review. It really helps. That's all for now. Once again, thank you. Take care of yourself. And remember, the world needs the best business you can build. And I believe in you.